0: It sits in our den and it has a password on it. And Joel and John Michael both know the password. So uh, when they want to get on the computer, they sit there and type in the password and get on to play whatever they'd like to play on the computer. But Jolie doesn't know it. And uh, Jolie loves the computer. She likes to watch uh, Baby Einstein or VeggieTales um, or uh, this morning the Gaithers and listening and just getting our spirit right for church this morning. But she doesn't know the password. Even if she knew the password, she's not capable of typing in the password. So several times a day, uh, we have to get up from our couch or walk in the den or something, and Daddy, Daddy, or Mama, Mama, or Bubba, Bubba, or Joel, Joel, somebody, put in the password. So I put in our password, which is, I'm not going to tell you, but anyway, I put in our password... It's a rather long password. It's got letters and numbers to it. So oftentimes we write or type in the wrong password. So I'll grab my keyboard and it's a wireless keyboard and sometimes they don't get all the connections there and I hit enter and it says wrong password. So I have to hit the delete button, backspace button, and I go all the way back because I don't know where the mistake is. And I type it in again. Aren't you glad in our life that when we live, that we were born into this world, As a sinner. We were born into this world with the wrong password. And Jesus Christ one day died on the cross. And there came a point in your life, I hope and I pray, where you trusted in Him as your Savior. And he, He hit the backspace of your life. He forgave every mistake that you've ever made or will ever make. And He wiped it away clean. And He gave you a brand new start. I am Redeemed. What a thought! As we begin one of the smallest books of the New Testament, the book of Philemon. So go ahead and be turning, if you will, to the book of Philemon. It's right after the book of Titus, right before the book of Hebrews. That that gives you a little bit of uh, clarity this morning. Go ahead and be turning to the book of Philemon. Philemon was not a preacher. Philemon was not a deacon. In fact, Philemon was a businessman. He was a very wealthy businessman. He also was one who was very um, uh, very godly, godly. He was a Christian. He was one who helped start the church of Colossae. He was won to the Lord by Paul. So Paul writes this real small letter to Philemon about love and forgiveness. The power of love and the power of forgiveness. So start with me, if you will, at verse number 1. The Bible says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Paul wrote this book while he was in prison. There are other prison epistles but this is the only book where Paul identifies himself as a prisoner and not as an apostle. I believe the reason why he did that is because Paul is wanting Philemon, to know, I'm I'm coming to you not as an authoritative figure of an apostle, but as a friend, as a co-laborer in the gospel. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. Timothy was with Paul. He oftentimes would, would take letters back and forth from prison to the different churches. To Philemon, there's our character Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer. To the beloved Aphia, which is Philemon's wife. To Archippus, which is the child of Philemon and his wife. And to the church, which is in your house. This is the church of Colossus, meeting in the house of Philemon. He says in verse 3, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus Christ and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become more effective by the acknowledge, the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. I want to talk this morning on the subject, are you a forgiving, per, forgiving person? The theme of Philemon is the power of love and the power of of forgiveness. We're going to introduce next week a character named Onesimus. He's an individual in the Bible. He was a slave. And Philemon needed to forgive Onesimus for something that had taken place. And Paul is writing Philemon saying this is what you need to do. But prior to that, Paul is addressing the characteristics of one who forgives. A Christian who forgives. You do realize... That Christians forgive individuals. Christians forgive people because Christians are forgiven people. Therefore, because we have been forgiven, it is in our spiritual nature, being like Christ, that we forgive. Christians must forgive all. Things and all people. There are no situations. There are no uh, incidents where we have to put that aside. But everything that we do in our life must be about forgiveness. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, verse 7, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, but let him return to the Lord. He will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. God has forgiven us. Therefore we forgive all People, So are you a forgiving person? Four things back this up in the scripture. Number one is this. A forgiving person will love the presence of Jesus Christ. A forgiving person will love the presence of Jesus Christ. Now we serve a God who is in all places at all times. He is omnipresent. There's not a place in this world where God is not. There's not a place in this universe where God is not. But you and I know that there are times where God may be everywhere, but it's evident that His presence is not in the life of us as individuals. But a forgiving person is one who walks in the presence of God, one who loves the presence of God, and a forgiving person is one who is living in the presence of Almighty God. The Bible says in verse 4, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and your faith, which you have toward the saints Uh, toward the Lord Jesus Christ and toward all the saints. He said, I want to thank God for you, Philemon, because I have heard how much you love Jesus. Boy, wouldn't it be good for somebody to write that about you? Hey, I just want you to know that I'm writing to, to, to commend you about how much you love Jesus. See, Philemon was not in sin. Philemon was not someone who would not forgive Philemon was someone who loved God so much that all Paul had to say was, "Now, Philemon, you need to make sure that you forgive Onesimus for what he has done to you. Because he knew that Philemon was one who loved the presence of the Lord Jesus. He lived in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul lays this foundation of forgiveness Paul knew that it was he himself through the Lord that led Philemon to the Lord. So Philemon was a faithful believer, like i mentioned before. Paul is praising his spiritual walk. He's praising his spiritual characteristics of one who loves the Lord, one who loves Jesus. See, are you a forgiving person? Forgiving people love the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when a Christian says, I choose not to forgive, what you are saying is, I choose not to be like Jesus. Because Jesus forgave all. When He was on the cross, all of our sin was upon Him. From the smallest to the the largest in God's sight, there's only one type of sin, and that is sin. And He forgave you and He forgave me for all of it. So forgiving people love the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says here in verse 5, Hearing of your love and your faith, which you have, that is present tense, which means it demonstrates a continuous nature of Philemon's concern for the Lord. It was something that was ongoing. Not at one point in his life and not something that he's asking Philemon to do in the future. But he's saying, I've heard how much you love Jesus today. And how it's continuous in your life. Boy, wouldn't it be awesome for somebody to write that about us? A forgiving person will love the presence of the Lord Jesus. So I want to flip the coin. And if a forgiving person loves the presence of the Lord Jesus, I want to, I want to share four evidences that you're not Walking in the presence of Christ. These four things will happen in your life, which is an evidence that you're not walking in the presence of the Lord Jesus. The first one is this, is that you're miserable. You're miserable. The most miserable people in the world are not lost people. They're having fun. They're enjoying the sin that they are living in. But Christians have been called to a higher calling. We have been called to turn from the world, to turn from sin. So when there is a Christian who loves Jesus, who have dedicated their life to Him, and they're not living in His presence, they, my friend, are the most miserable people in the world today. Are Christians out of the will of God. You may be here today and you're a believer Nobody doubts that. You remember in your life where you came to to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you're out of fellowship with Him. You're you're out of the will of God. There's somebody in your life that you're at odds with. And you're miserable. You're miserable because the Holy Spirit of God has convicted you of that. And there will always be a sense, there will always be a void until that first is taken care of. You feel like that you are in a spiritual prison. That there is spiritual Pain, there is daily conviction. You feel like there's an open sore on your heart that is exposed to all types of germs that the, that the devil and the, the enemy will put in your life. One evidence that you're not walking in the presence of God is that there you are miserable. Number two, you're bitter. Bitterness. Bitterness does not come from heaven. Bitterness comes from hell. Bitterness is a root of sin. It's not just an infection, but it is a cancer that spreads. And those out of the fellowship of God, those not walking in the presence of God, have a root of bitterness in their life. Hebrews 12, 15, See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble. By it many be defiled. Every Sunday, every Wednesday, people of God, come to the house of God. On the outside, it is joy. On the outside, everything looks good. On the outside, we have put on this mask. But if we were to tear off the, the chambers of our spiritual heart, there would be bitterness in there. Because of a grudge or something that we will not put at the altar of the Lord Jesus. We are a prisoner in our own jail. Because we're not walking in the presence of God. Number three, we're angry. Someone who does not walk in the presence of God can develop an anger heart. Angry heart. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. Be angry. And do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil a foothold or an opportunity where he could come in and destroy something that is so precious to you. So you may be here this morning, and because of something that happened last year or 10 years ago or 20 years ago, there is some anger in there. And your people are asking, why are you so angry? I'm fine. They say, well, why are you so angry? I'm fine. And we just snap at Everything. And it's not what somebody has just said, but there is a root that is in there that is has caused something to keep us away from the presence of God. Then number four, probably the most vital, is that you're out of fellowship with God. Those who do not live and love the presence of God will not understand worship. In fact, worship to them will be boring. There is no quiet time. The Bible will seem boring. There's no life in the Word of God. There's no life in prayer life. We we seem to be critical of everything that is taking place because there is bitterness and anger that's in our heart. That's not Philemon. Philemon was one who walked with God. He says, I hear of your love and your faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus Christ. I hear how much you love Jesus. Do you love Jesus? No, I'm sure you'd say, absolutely I do. Jesus forgave. And if we want to be like Jesus, we must forgive at all costs. The second thing about a forgiving person, number two, is a forgiving person will love the people of Jesus Christ. Not only the presence of Jesus Christ, but a forgiving person is one who loves the people of Jesus Christ. Look around the room today. They are the people of Jesus Christ and we are to love them unconditionally just like Jesus Christ loves us. The rest of verse 5 says, I hear of your love and I hear of your faith which you have towards the Lord Jesus and also toward all the saints. If you break that verse down, the word love actually goes with toward all the saints. Because we don't have faith in our own people. We have faith in Jesus for our salvation. So to break that verse down, verse 5 says, "Hearing of your love that you have toward all the saints." How you love the church, how you love the people of God, how you embrace the people of God. The word love is the word agape love, which is a self-sacrificing love. It is a it is a humble love. It is a heavenly love. It is a love that has no limits. It is a love that has no boundaries. Everyone is love, no matter who they are, no matter what, where they may come from, everybody is loved in the house of God because we have the love of Jesus Christ inside of our heart. There is nothing in our life, you realize this, there is nothing in your life right now that you can do that will make God love you any more than He does right now. And there's nothing that you can do in this life right now that will make God love you any less than He does right now. His love for you is beyond anything that you do. His love for you is unconditional. And the Bible says, I've heard of your love towards other people, which is an agape love, which is an unconditional love, which is a love that's not based on what somebody says or somebody does. It's based on what Jesus Christ has done in your heart. So I love them unconditionally. I love them no matter what they say or what they do not say. I love them no matter how they act. I love them no matter what they look like. I love them no matter what they do or do not do. I love them because they are a part of the house of God. They are people of God. Therefore, I love them. A forgiving person will love the people of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our love for people goes beyond, like I said, what people do or what people say or don't do or don't say. Our love for people goes beyond circumstances. It goes beyond the temporal. It goes beyond our feelings. It goes beyond our ambitions. It goes beyond our thoughts and beyond our preferences. Our love for people leads directly to the cross where there's a loving Savior with stretched out arms who died for the entire world and embraced us and called us the bride of Christ. So if you're struggling to forgive someone this morning, just let it go. Just let it go. One of Jolie's favorite songs is let it go. Let it go. So every time we sit in the, car, in the car, she's got two songs that she wants to hear. She wants to hear Crazy Frog. If you've ever heard that song, it's a pretty neat song. The number second song is Frozen. She said, Daddy, I want to hear Frozen. And I know what it is. So we turn in that song and it's let it go. Let it go. So I wrote a little version of that this morning with the help of my English teacher wife. Let it go. Let it go. Don't hold back anymore. Let it go. Let it go. Don't try to settle the score. I don't care what the world may say. Let His Word sink in. The Lord has washed all our sins away. So just let it go. Let it go. A couple years ago at my former church, we were needing some parking spaces. I don't think i told this story. If I have, just act like you've never heard it before. But it was a neat, a neat time in the life of our church. The only property we had... Uh, We only had 4.2 acres, was all the property that we had. And we had a highway or a major road that that ran halfway between our properties. So the majority of our parking lot was across the road, which offered a lot of challenges. But there was a, a, a lot, about an acre, that was heavily wooded. And that was the only place we could go to construct or build a parking lot. So all the men got together and said, what we're going to do is we're going to clear the land and get it ready for some gravel. And then we'll come back later on with the asphalt and how that works out. So we got together one Saturday morning. And everybody had their chainsaws. And we were going to cut down the trees and, and, uh, uh, and uh, clear out the parking lots. So we had some chainsaws. There were some other guys with some heavier equipment with some front end loaders who were knocking the trees down. And one of the gentlemen in our church who was a farmer wanted the, 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 the logs. He was going to build a bridge. And so we took the logs off to the side. After when we did that, we cut off the the root ball. And some of these root balls were were enormous. I mean, they were were very large in size. And there was about, after we got all of it cleared off, all the the branches hauled off, and all that was left was about 15 or 20, maybe 25, big root balls. I said, What are we going to do with those? They said, We're going to bury them. I said, With what? They said, Well, so and so's got a bulldozer. He's going to dig a hole and we're going to bury them. I said, Where? He said, Right here. I said, Okay. So, a couple of days later, sitting in my office and out the door, out the window, here he comes with his big old uh, uh, front end loader, I think is what it's called. It's a big machine that's got a scoop on the front that you've moved dirt with. So, um, he dug a hole. I don't know how deep it was, but it was neat. I mean, absolutely neat. He dug a hole and buried all of those roots. And now there's a parking lot. And if you drive by that church and you see a parking lot, nobody knows that there's about 20 or 25 humongous root balls that have probably already decayed sitting under that parking lot. You know, the Bible says something like that in Jeremiah 31 verse 34. I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. God has buried all of your sin God has buried all of the sins of the one sitting beside you God has buried all of those sins that has been committed against him don't ever ever remember what God has forgotten one of the easiest ways when it comes to forgiveness is that we remember things that God says what are you talking about I don't know what you're talking about I have forgotten those. I have buried those. I have thrown them in the sea of forgetfulness. I have thrown them far as the east is from the west. Don't ever remember what God has already forgotten. Number three, a forgiving person will love the power of Christ. A forgiving person will love the power of Christ. Verse 6 says that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. A forgiving person will love the power of Christ. I love what verse 6 says. It says that the sharing of your faith. Your translation may have the word fellowship. It's the word kononia, which is the kind of New Testament word for, for fellowship. Now we have fellowship here at First Baptist Church. We probably do it more than anybody I've ever seen. We love to eat. And we love to fellowship. And that word comes together where well, we as a body of Christ come tonight after church. We're going to fellowship over at least 13, maybe 16 I mean, have signed up homemade Butterfinger ice cream all together as a family of God. So I thought about that passage in verse 6. It says that the eating ice cream and the fellowship of your faith being much more effective. Now, you know, it's much more than just eating fellowship actually means the more enjoying one's company it means the mutual sharing of life the, the real translate a better translation would be the word belonging belonging you need to be a part of a body of Christ because we are called to belong to each other It refers to a mutual sharing of life. Believers belong to it. That's the word sharing. That the sharing of your faith may become, here we go, effective. It's the word where we get our word energy from. The word power. That the sharing of your faith, the fellowship of your faith, it may become more powerful. When you say to someone, I forgive, it's like blowing up dynamite, the spiritual dynamite in one's hearts. Because that's contrary to what anything else in the world says, and you can't say, I forgive you, unless first Jesus Christ has forgiven you. Has has forgiven you. A forgiving person will love the power of Christ. When you stand behind a or beside a 747 jet and you realize that it is extremely heavy, it sits on the runway with its massive weight and, and a massive size, that it is totally incapable of breaking gravity. But something happens when the power of its engine combines with the laws of the aerodynamics. The plane is able to lift to an altitude of 35,000 feet and just sit there and coast and glide all the way through the air. It can break free from the bonds of earth. The Bible says in Romans 8, 2, Through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and the law of death. Brother John, I don't know if I can forgive. And I don't know if I can become a forgiving person. You're exactly right. But Jesus Christ set you free through His grace and through His mercy. And in the same way, you can free others as they have sinned against you. Say, Lord Jesus, I don't know if I need to forgive them or not. Jesus said, yeah, I forgave you. Now you go and forgive. Forgiveness is not an option. In fact, forgiveness is not something you have to pray about. Forgiveness is a requirement in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then number four and final. A forgiving person will love the peace of Jesus Christ. Verse 7 says, For we have great joy and consolation or comfort in your love. Because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. The word hearts there is actually the word bowels. It's the seat of emotions. It's the feelings of someone. Not on the sleeve of someone, but in the, in the center of who they are. Their, their, their seat of emotions. And Paul says, a flame and I have great joy and comfort and love by the, the emotions of the saints. They have been refreshed by you. The word refreshed is a military term and describes an army that rests after a march. Many of you have been there and you understand where this word comes from. And, and those of us like myself that can't, can't imagine that, we can just simply in our minds understand what that word means where we rest from a march. Philemon brought troubled people rest and renewal. He was a peacemaker. You remember a couple of Wednesday nights ago, back in June, end of June I believe, when we were going through the Beatitudes, one of them was the peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called what? Sons of God. A peacemaker, the word peacemaker, the word peace is a wholeness, an overall well-being. And a maker is not passive, but one is a source of peace. So you put all of that together and a peacemaker describes someone who pursues peace in all of its fullness. He pursues peace, and not just in absence of conflict, but pursues the wholeness and the well-being of someone. Blessed are the peacemakers. And for Philemon, Paul says, you are a peacemaker, brother. There is nothing in your life Whether it's conflict or emotional or a grudge or what it may be, there's nothing in that. You are a forgiving person because you love the peace of Jesus Christ. In John chapter 8, Jesus was around a group of people and they brought the religious folks of the day brought a woman to Jesus. You remember the story. And as they brought the woman to Jesus, they said, Jesus, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now the Scripture says that we must stone her, but what do you say? And Jesus stooped down. He began to write in the sin. And then He says, You who are without sin, cast the first stone. And one by one, those religious folks laid down their rocks, began to walk away, and when everybody had gone, Jesus says, who is it that condemns you? And the woman said, no one. And Jesus said, what? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. The Old Testament Scripture called for stoning. But Jesus said, any of you guys that hadn't committed sin, you begin to throw. You know who the only one who could have thrown stones? Throwed stones? Jesus. And you could have picked up those rocks and said, I am tired of you. I, I, I've tried to help you. And you'd be better off if you were just gone. But no, Jesus... Jesus didn't just want to give a lesson to the woman. He wanted to give a lesson to the religious folks. And if you're here today and you're struggling with forgiveness, will you let go of your rock? Will you put your rock down and be a person who loves the presence of Jesus? Be a person who loves the, the power of Jesus? Be a person who loves the people of Jesus? And Be a person who loves... The peace of Jesus. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we enter into a time of invitation, <clears throat> I wonder if you're here today and you don't have that relationship with Jesus. You've never come to a point in your life where you've asked Him to forgive you and to come into your life and to save you. There's not a person in this world that loves you more than Jesus Christ. The Bible says we came into this world as a sinner and Jesus came to die for people like you and people like me to offer us forgiveness and to offer us eternal life. And all we've got to do is drop our rocks and say, Lord Jesus, I need you today. I need you to forgive me. I need you to come into my heart and I need you to save me today. If you'll do that, He'll save you. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I encourage you this morning, if you don't have that relationship with Christ, that you can make that today. In just a minute, when we have an invitation, you can come, and I'll meet you down here in the front. Say, Brother John, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need forgiveness of my sins. I need a new life. I need to know what it means to walk in the presence and the power and the peace of the Lord Jesus. I need that today. Friend, that may be you. And I encourage you to take hold of that and make Jesus your Lord and Savior. If you're a Christian, what about you? Are you a forgiving person? Some of you may have walked in today with your saddle loaded. And it was all about what somebody has done. Maybe this morning you just need to quietly come to this altar and say, Lord, here's my rocks. I don't need them anymore. I need to learn what it means to walk in forgiveness, to walk in your love, And to walk in Your grace. So Lord, I leave this here at the altar. And I go to live just like You. So if if that's You this morning, friend, I encourage You to come and just lay it here at the altar.